What up, it's your boy Cool Shep. This podcast is brought to you by my boy Joey T and Tyrese Maxi. But right now, you know, we just maxing on the courts, hailing from the streets of South Philly. Sometimes it gets a little hectic out there, but right now, we go up you on how we just chill. What is going on, Sixers fans? Welcome back into another edition of Trust the Podcast. I am your host, Joe Tooman, as always. The NBA regular season is nearing its conclusion. There's less than 10 games to go for the Sixers and most other teams in the league. The playoffs are on the horizon and the playoff picture, you know, in the Western Conference is extremely jumbled. The East, it's a little clearer, but there's still some interesting topics. So I had to bring on a frequent guest of this podcast, Mr. Chris Reynolds, to discuss some of these NBA storylines. Chris, thank you for joining me once again. How are you doing today? You know, just an honor to be here. Um, we have a talk show, but we haven't been able to talk about the NBA <laughs> in over a month. Like, are, you have, I'm so excited just to like actually formally talk about the NBA with you. I'm tired of just texting you random complaints about Rudy Bear at midnight. I actually want this formal setting where we could just dive into everything that's happened. I completely agree. So, yeah, because our talk show, we've had to cancel it. They've canceled it on us, blah, blah, blah. We're not going to get a 30, We had a 30 minute talk show because they yeah. didn't schedule us properly. Yeah, whatever. All, all that stuff. With that aside, it's finally time to talk some hoops. Uh, and we can start with the Eastern Conference, partially because this is a Sixers podcast, partially because that's where some of the best teams in the, in the NBA uh, this season reside. So, uh, right now, the, the top three in the East, the Bucks are the one seed. They're 51 and 20. The Sixers have snuck into that. Well, they were in the two seed. Boston has now passed us after the Sixers lost to the Bulls the other night. Uh, Boston's the two seed, 49 and 23. Sixers, 48 and 23, but eight and two in their last 10. Uh, The Sixers just faced the Bulls um, on Monday night. They went to double overtime and lost 109 to 105. A game that was 109 to 105 in the year 2023 went to double overtime. Chris, we were talking um, Monday morning about the Bulls. We were talking about Patrick Beverly, stuff like that. You're kind of uh, not buying in on their kind of resurgence on defense. And then we had this absolutely ridiculous game with them. But with that aside, just what's your thoughts on this top three in the East? And uh, who 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 are you most confident in right now? What are your thoughts on this Eastern Conference? I mean, take a jab at me before you lead me up. I guess call me up about my Patrick Beverly take. Okay, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so the Sixers are weird because at this point, I actually like them just as much as Boston. Where in the beginning of the season, I picked Milwaukee because I've love Giannis. That team without Middleton was went toe to toe with Boston. This season, Milwaukee, Giannis has missed a decent amount of games. Even Drew's missed a decent amount of games, and Middleton's barely played, yet they have the best record in the NBA. So for a question of like what team do I like out of the East, I like Milwaukee because they have the best player, and they might have the best surrounding players around the best player. They have everything. Their depth, Jay Crowder only just added more of what they're good at, and that's perfect. Bobby Portis off the bench. Brooke Lopez is like Rudy Gobert, but better. <laughs> um, they actually have a lot of pieces that work. I think they're the best team. Even with guys missing, they're still the best record. Boston's defense this year is not at the elite level that it was last year. And at times, I just watched that. They don't don't look like they have that same momentum of figuring things out that they did at the end of last year. So they're kind of going down. And Philly, I told you this the other day. um, I think after this last month or two, Embiid's kind of passed Jokic, for me at least, because I'm not joining – this bandwagon i think new evidence was added so my opinions changed because that's how the mvp argument should work 
So that's why I have, you know, I think the Sixers are ascending, Boston's descending, and I don't really like any other team in the East besides the Miami Heat who are playing bad. I just don't, if I I just don't, I wouldn't want to play them in the playoffs because they're going to be annoying. Well, we can get to the Heat in a bit. I don't feel like talking about them just yet, but First of all, I'm, I, we, you know, we've been, you've been on this podcast several times over the past year. It's great to finally hear you admit that Embiid has surpassed Jokic. As I'm not admitting it. I'm just saying with new evidence added. That's all I need to hear. That's all I need to hear. Joel MVP'd has been absolutely cooking in March. He's averaging 36 points per game in the month of March. Uh, even in that defeat to the Bulls the other night, even though that was a very sloppy game, Embiid still got 37 points and 16 rebounds. So he was certainly not the reason uh, the Sixers uh, took the defeat in that game. To your point about the Bucks, it is really encouraging if you're a Bucks fan to see that, like you said, Middleton has struggled. He's been in and out of the lineup. He hasn't even been in himself most of the time when he has played. Uh, and they're still 51 and 20, one seed in the East. You said they have the best record. It really does feel like defensively, they really can have any look you really want. I mean, Drew is obviously the best defensive guard in the league. I think he's proven that once again this year. Uh, Giannis is Giannis. And then Brooke Lopez, as you mentioned, is <laughs> for whatever reason, he has now gone from like, oh, yeah, he's a pretty good defender. I guess people forgot because he was injured la- most of last year, but he's really ascended to new heights at, you know, in his mid 30s here, which is really cool to see. Uh, and, you know, Joe Ingles has been on fire from three. You mentioned Crowder. At least he's a guy who's, you know, been there. So come playoff time, he'll know. Basic what to do. guy. Yeah, exactly. He fits into their scheme. I'm definitely frightened by the Bucs, but at the same time, we did come back and have a 48-point fourth quarter against them very recently to come back and win the game where, you know, the Bucs are a great team, the Sixers are a great team, but for me, the Bucs, you can't say, and I'm I'm not saying you're saying this, but to me, you can't say the Bucs are like a clear-cut favorite over the Sixers when in that game, the Bucs should have totally put the Sixers away. We were playing absolutely horrifically on defense. Grayson Allen put up I think 20 points in a quarter against us or 17 points, whatever it was. Oh, it was 20 or 25. It was 20. It was at least 20. It was at least 20. 20. It was 20. Okay. So 20 points in a quarter from freaking Grayson Allen. And then we still come back 48 points in the fourth. Everyone was playing great down the stretch of that game. So for me, that game proved, and there's some other games uh, as well, you know, even that game against Denver on that Sunday night when we just, you know, and B just took a Jokic. Denver's the one seed in the West and the Sixers won the game. To me, the Sixers are right there, and I hesitate saying that because, you know, I had JP and Justin on a few weeks ago, and we were talking about the Sixers team. They're good, but they're once again just not going to be good enough to win the finals. I'm starting to change my tune on that. Chris, I know you just said you would pick the Bucs right now, but do you think the Sixers team might finally be a team that has a potential to make an NBA Finals run? No, (laughs) honestly. You said that I think the Bucks are the clear cut favorite against the Sixers. I know you said people are saying that, and you shouldn't. Here's my thing, right? If this, the, clear if, this is, if this is a regular season game, sure it could go either way. I just if I I'd put everything on Milwaukee in the playoffs. Do I do I really think James Harden is going to have? Like I don't trust Harden. I don't think he's going to have a great series when the moment matters. Just from what I've seen from him. Embiid's good, but it's not like he's been this, like, there's no playoff Embiid. You know what I mean? There's Okay, but here's the thing. I think it's coming this year. And because the guy, he's never been healthier. Like, seriously, he's, what what he has been doing for the past three months is the absolute peak of his powers. And I don't think it's fair to just 
say, well, he's had injuries in the playoffs before. It will just happen again. They were all such freak injuries. I mean, whether it's getting hit in the face by, by Markel Fultz, uh, you know, the whole Justice Winslow incident. Last uh, year, Scotty hit him. What did you say? Last year, he had that face break thing. Yeah, exactly. This is what I'm saying. Like, maybe it happens again, but that would just be the worst luck in the world. And Bede is, like, in a different realm right now. And I really think that with him playing like that, and that we can talk about more of the rest of the team, but that's what that's my argument for why this Sixers team can absolutely at least compete with the Bucs. Maybe the Bucs beat us in a seven-game series, but continue your point, but I just wanted to say that. I mean, I think last year for me kind of just proved playoff experience and also just rely like, – the teams that have done it before, I just am going to start sticking with because I thought nothing in Golden State, and then they won it all. Because I thought, hey, they're having they're having a terrible end of the season, whatever. And then come playoff time, the teams that have been there, the teams that have been together through the playoffs before, they always seem to figure it out. That's why Miami, like as much as we hate Miami, they're always a pain because they play together. They have all that. The Sixers, this is definitely their best chance. I think they're ten times better than last season in terms of like an actual contender because last year I think. Most people that was like a 50 50 between them and Miami and even Toronto, too. So, this year, though, they have the best chance. I think talent wise, they're not that far behind Milwaukee. I just know myself, I'm not gonna pick any team to beat Milwaukee except for maybe the Celtics if they're right, but the Celtics aren't right. The Sixers haven't made the conference finals, the bead hasn't been there, Harden hasn't been there since Houston, right? So, yeah. he, I, I'm just not going to pick James Harden and Embiid. To get, I'm not going to give them a real shot until I actually see it from them in the playoffs. I'm just going to, I'll wait until I see it. I'm not going to predict it to happen. If the Bucks, first of all, like I'm, I'm being a little disingenuous because there's certainly red flags with the Sixers team, like whether it's who our coach is first and foremost, because in the playoffs, that that's your biggest issue. I want to be yeah. honest. Yeah, it is. I will say he has been, Doc has been mostly harmless over the past month, but maybe that's just the winning disguising it. But I truly don't think in the games that things go wrong for the Sixers, there's much he can do. Like when Tobias just goes three for 10 or whatever, like games like that, there's nothing Doc can do really. Uh, Tobias, he was playing so well in December and January. I really thought he was finding his role with the team. Right now, you have no clue what you're getting from him. And in a series against the Bucks with all those wing defenders they have, really just, not even just wing defenders, defenders in general, but, you know, Giannis and Crowder and Ingles and whoever, even Javon Carter, whoever. Drew, yeah, you have Drew guarding Drew. a guard. You have yeah. Crowder and Ingles at the wings, then Giannis and Brooke. And Brooke's yeah. a three and D player at Not seven. to mention Middleton if he somehow figures it out. If Middleton figures something out, I'm actually just going to just assume Milwaukee wins the whole thing. If, if Middleton's not back, then I'm like, sure, it's going to be a close thing. Like, I think any team could put up a close fight because sometimes their, their offense is average. Milwaukee's offense. If Middleton figures things out, then I'm just I'm just going to put every egg in that basket of Milwaukee. Yeah, I think the Sixers wing presence is definitely a concern uh, because Tucker's been a lot better. But at the end of the day, he still is just, you know, slow footed. He's getting up there in age and he's not really willing to step up offensively. The Sixers need to figure out a way where they can maximize that Harden, Maxi Melton look with Tobias and Embiid. Although... <laughs> It's funny, I'm starting to like wonder, maybe it should be Tucker and Bede with Tobias, like maybe finding his way on the bench. But I think it depends on the matchup because Tobias, the potential for him to go off and score is so important. But if he's not like 
on his A game, then Tucker's rebounding is almost more important because him and Embiid are really the only rebounders on this team. So when you go up against the Bucs, that, that's pretty important when you look at the personnel the Bucs are running with, obviously led by Giannis. The Sixers uh, can match up with the Bucs. We just have to be playing to our maximum abilities because if things go wrong for us, then the Bucs probably will smoke us. But if we're, at, if we're at the top of our game, like we've been over these past few weeks, I really think the Sixers team can beat them. Yeah, two things. One, I cannot wait for PJ Tucker to hold Giannis to 52 points and then them to say how great That's of a not what it's is. about. That's not what it's about. Oh, yeah. He really made him work for that 52. Um, you had this conversation before. I'm not entertaining this. I know, but I just for the fans, get ready for PJ Tucker playing great defense on Giannis as he has 40 a game. Um, I think your bench unit scares me at times compared to Milwaukee's, where Milwaukee's, you tell me Milwaukee's bench is so good. Who on the Milwaukee's bench is going to stop Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez, or Giannis if one of those guys are out there? Like you need you know the, the Sixers. Yeah, like you're going to need and beat out there at all times that Giannis is out there because God forbid Montrezl Harrell is the center out there and Giannis. Hey, hey is credit to Doc team. Rivers. Paul Reed is the backup center. It is is a hundred percent. He is a hundred percent locked in as the backup. Okay, if, even if Paul Reed's there, I'm still going to pick. I'm I'm assuming Giannis is going to cook him. So. I feel like that's the one yeah, concern. That's why Paul Reed's only going to play five minutes. I know, but I'm saying is you're going to have to like Embiid's going to be, you know, out there for so much time, so many minutes. Like Embiid doesn't usually have that many minutes per game, to be honest with you. So it's not like Embiid's used to getting out there 43 minutes a game. So I don't. That's my concern from a team standpoint. Is that I don't think you guys can do the hard and Melton uh, Maxi lineup. I think that's just too small compared to Milwaukee. If if Middleton's right, because I don't see well, Millen can guard Middleton, I guess, but yeah, it's just it's just smaller. So I, I think, think like, I'm trying to think who the Bucks crunch time five and like a must game, a must win game seven would be it would be Drew, Giannis, Brooke. Would they really throw Grayson Allen out there? I feel like Joe Ingles could sneak in if they just for some shooting. Okay, so everyone and obviously if Middleton's healthy, he's in there. Uh everyone likes to take shots like Grayson Allen, including myself. But I will say there's been numerous times this year where he hits a big three. That's oh, like, gets the I'm middle. aware he had 20 points in a quarter against the six. I know it like, gets you like in the fourth quarter. Like I forget what game I forget what they played, but Grayson Allen just like does stuff. And you're like, oh, he's, he's actually good. Yeah. But no one likes Grayson Allen because of he's not a scrub. I mean, he's a starter for this. Team. I know just no one likes him because of Duke. He was like a jerk and everything, which <laughs> I I'm oh, totally on board with. Yeah, but he yeah. actually is a really good player in the starting five. Like his role of just shooting is perfect. And he's a really good shooter. Mm-hmm. So probably him and Middleton out of respect for Middleton. I just think that I don't know who can compete with that lineup. I think the Sixers Embiid this year, I just it's just Brooke Lopez and Giannis. Like there, everyone talks about how it's a bad matchup for the Bucs because of like Giannis has trouble going in against Embiid. Yeah, but like I don't think that also applies the other way where Embiid has to go in against Brooke and Giannis too. No, it's no. not like it's a one-way street there. No, I agree. I think Brooke definitely presents a challenge. It's like what Boston has always been able to do is, you know, come with these double teams where the Bucks have a different version of that, where it's where like Giannis is just, he's just an athlete out there and Brooke will be the man holding down the paint where if Embiid's going to the basket, he's going to have to face Brooke most likely. Giannis will stick his hands up in there too. But Giannis is more going to be the one chasing Embiid out to the perimeter and places like that if he's doing that. Where Boston kind of always just threw all their bigs at Embiid, just like swarmed them. I feel like that is a danger that the Bucs can kind of get uh, creative with how they guard and bead with Brooke and Giannis both being out there. But I will say, like, in the games we've played them this year because we played them earlier in the season as well, like, Embiid still is getting to his spots. And I'll also say, 
Drew Holiday had a good game offensively against the Sixers last time we played them, but like Tyrese was getting to his spots in the second half, especially in that game as well. Harden had a good game. So like Drew, I'm not saying Drew's a bad defender by any means, of course, but even though he's playing at this elite level, he didn't really do much to stop our backcourt, who at this point I think is, you know, top five in the league at the very least, the way they've been playing over these past few months. It's just a really, it's going to be an interesting chess match. And I really hope this is the Eastern finals because it will be a very interesting matchup. Obviously, the Sixers are going to have to get through Boston first, and we can talk about that in a moment because we've kind of been ducking Boston in this conversation. But just what what would you think – what's your thoughts on that? Like just the look of Holiday going up against Maxine Harden. I mean, as you know, I love Drew Holiday just because I yeah, think – he used to be on the Sixers. In every big moment down the stretch of games – what he does defensively, like I said, I feel bad for Devin Booker at times because he just got yeah. twice, twice, <laughs> once in the finals, once this year. Yeah. He just gets stripped by Drew, who, and it, it's not fair. He takes the ball and runs away with it, and then Milwaukee wins. I, I think Drew is allowed to have a game defensively where he doesn't lock someone down. Harden had a great game, credit to him, but I would bank on Holiday at the end of big games, making plays because that's what I've seen from him. I don't think this one random game in the regular season of Drew not locking down Harden's going to mean a lot to me when it comes to the playoffs. But it's more than just a, re- a random game in the sense of like, I also just buy what Harden and Max are doing. Like Harden, Harden has been so good this year. I know you don't want to hear it, but he's been stupid. No, he's great, but I just don't think that you can rely on Harden to do that multiple times in the series. You could have a game or two where he has more than 30. I don't see that. If Drew's actually also assigned to Harden to stay on him. I don't know how they're going to use Drew yet necessarily. I'm assuming Harden, but if Harden's passing, might put Drew on someone else who's scoring more that game. Really depends. I just think that game, I do this too where I'll see a game and I'll think that's how it's going to work. And then come playoffs time, that just doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I think Drew is by far the best guard defender in the league and then everyone else is a tier or two below him. I just think that matchup is just, I think Milwaukee is just the most complete team. Mm-hmm. I I think you're, I think they're the deepest and let, let, that's not even, we haven't really talked about Bobby Portis. I mean, he's another guy who, you know, if Brooke or Giannis gets in foul trouble, I mean, mainly Brooke, I don't think Giannis would come out really at all, but Bobby can just step in there, give them a little more offense. Like the Sixers bench still worries me a bit, but I think we can, as long as Doc cuts the rotation down to eight, I think we're going to be able to hang with Milwaukee's depth. The problem is, A, Doc has been hesitant to cut the rotation down in the playoffs in the past. And B, like, to your point, at the end of the day, like, Drew is just like that. He just is the – he's such a lockdown guy. Giannis is such a problem. He is arguably still the best player in the world. I'm saying arguably. We'll have to see what happens. I don't think it's arguable, but – We'll have to see what happens in the playoffs this year. But my argument – this is the last thing we'll say, and we can move on. For me, my vision for the Sixers Bucks, if the Sixers are going to win that series, it is because we outscore them. Because with Embiid, NBA's leader in points per game, playing the best he's ever played, coupled with Harden, who is, you know, found a way to one game have 30, the next game have 14 assists and 14 points. He's balancing the offense so well this year. You throw in uh Maxi, who's been awesome since he finally got back in the starting lineup. And then the rest of the guys are inconsistent, but at least one of them always seems to have a good game, whether it's Tobias, whether it's Melton, sometimes George Yang randomly pops off. So I do think 
the Sixers, there's a roadmap where we just outscore the Bucs and we overcome that defense. I'm not saying it's likely. Like, I wouldn't bet on Doc Rivers to take that team down in a seven-game series, but I have optimism like I haven't had for this team in years. And I know, you know, two years ago, that team with Simmons and Seth Curry, then we were the one seed. I said I had the optimism. And, like, I felt it, but looking back, it's embarrassing that I thought that team w- was good enough to win a championship because it just wasn't. This team, I could look back in 10 years, we don't win the championship, but I could still look back and say my optimism was well-placed because that was a really good team. This is the, the most confident I've felt since the Jimmy Butler team. Your point about just this year, I get what you're saying. I, I, you wouldn't p- pick the Sixers necessarily, but I just think this – I just don't understand – I, I agree that the 76 will have to outscore the Bucks. You know, that's a good point. Um, they will have to score more points. But no, but I, I get what you mean. Like, actually, like their offense has to just pop off. And yes. Yes. I get what you're saying. I think for Milwaukee, that's their biggest concern is sometimes you look at it. And if Giannis starts having to four shots where if Giannis is being selective and Giannis is just getting the shots that he wants and it's the layup every time, it's perfect. But I told you this, um, what was it, three months ago or – that sometimes seems like Giannis was forcing things without Middleton and the team looked like it was stalling a little bit. Mm-hmm. If that Milwaukee comes out, I completely agree that then the series could change. I just think they figured something out. I think they learned how to play without Middleton being the second guy. If they can keep that system, I think they're the best team. But I do think the Sixers have a chance. It just is going to have to take like an all-time Embiid series and Harden not choking and Milwaukee not having a good series. I think I think that's a fair take. So – but we're, we're talking this Sixers-Bucks matchup, and I really do think it, that will be the East Finals. But as things currently stand, Boston is a game ahead of the Sixers, 49-23. and 23. There was a point in this season where I think most people thought maybe a couple months back Boston was the best team in the whole league. I think I was saying that certainly in around January. Uh, they've had some injuries, but they've also just underperformed. They've lost to some teams they shouldn't lose to. Uh, but they are still a game ahead of the Sixers. Where do you stand on Boston right now? What's your thoughts on they're kind of last month. Uh, seems like a lot of Celtics fans are getting a little worried. Uh, obviously, Boston has had the Sixers number in the playoffs before, but to, as you said a little earlier, you alluded to, doesn't feel like their defense is quite as formidable as it's been in the past. And that's why right now I think the Sixers might be able to overcome uh, the Celtics in a playoff series. But what, what's your thoughts on the Celtics generally right now? Well, I also would pick the Heat to beat the Celtics right now because I hate what I'm seeing from Boston. Okay. Did you watch any part of, I, I don't know if you watched any part of that Nets Celtics game. I watched it when the Celtics went up by 28. Then I said, I'm going to do homework because I don't need to watch Celtics <laughs> win. And then they lost. And then I went back and I was watching the highlights. But when Boston was up, there was a play where, I forget who it was, there was Jalen Brown tried throwing an alley-oop off the backboard to someone who was trailing. There was like a defender there. It was like a stupid play that made no sense. But they were just trying to get like cute with it because they were up by a lot. And I was like, I feel like Ime last year would have, you know, flipped out. But so you just have Joe Missoula just like, like yeah. I don't know. Like, it seems like the culture has kind of changed. It's the opposite of last year. Last year, it wasn't clicking. They shot all this wasted talent. Then they figured out the end of last year. This year, they had to figure it out early. And now they're kind of going backwards. And it seems like they're going back to it not working out like a team. And their defense is worse. And they're kind of don't seem like their talent compared to what they're doing is the same. I think they just got used to going to the finals, being the top team in the league, and then they just stopped playing the way they've been playing. And now I, I also think Rob Williams is weird. 
I don't know how many playing games he's played, but I feel like he's barely played where last year he was the anchor of that defense. He got injured and came back for the playoffs. And that's why their defense was still good. I think without him this season, that defense isn't the same smarts, not the same. I don't like Tatum's play after the all-star game, after he won that all-star game MVP, like everything has kind of got down. Brown gave a weird interview today saying, I'll go to whatever he wants me and treats me right. And it's like, I get that you're not going to say I'm staying in Boston, but you can not seem like you're taking shots at Boston. I don't know. So I just don't know. The vibe of this team seems like it kind of took a weird turn and it kind of seems like they're reverting back to the Charmin Celtics, as I've heard them called. The Charmin Celtics? What does that mean? Charmin Ultrasoft? The oh, oh, oh. Well, I was thinking like Bill Charmin, like the Celtics player from the 50s. Oh, no, no, no. The Charmin. Don't ask me why my brain went there. Okay. No, yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying because – uh, you alluded to Missoula. I've heard like Simmons, our guy, but a lot of other Celtics fans also say that like Joe Missoula's coaching, it's not been bad because he's an interim coach who's got them playing this well. But the the presence that Ime and also Brad Stevens before him had on the sideline where it just felt like they they were the leader of the team. You know, they kind of, I talk about my, the culture all the time. You know, it felt like they were dictating the culture of these teams where now it feels like this is a player's team. And that's not a bad thing necessarily. But when you have all these injuries, I mean, Smart and Williams, they, those were the all-defensive selections last season, two first-team all-defense guys. Marcus Smart was the defensive player of the year. And with both of those guys having missed ample time over the past few months, and especially Rob Williams only playing 28 games all season long, it does feel like the identity of this team has been kind of shaken in the snow globe here. There's just not the urgency they need to be having when the East is when the top of the East is this close, when there's three teams, I would say the best three teams in the league fighting for that one seed, fighting for the right to go to the finals. Yeah, I would I feel like one, there's a little gas uh foot off the gas mentality from them right now. But also just with those injuries, the defense does feel a little shaken up. What 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 was your take on Tatum's play after the all-star break? Like what are you noticing specifically that in his game is different? His three ball has dropped off significantly. And I think it's really just the play of like more isolation stuff. And it's not working out as well as it did. And rather than the whole Missoula ball, people said where it's just people cutting and moving and playing with pace. It seems more of Tatum going back to when he's trying to be like Kobe and he's doing more getting the ball at the baseline and then doing a turnaround jumper again. And at the end of games, they give Tatum the ball, which is, which makes sense. But it just seems like they go Tatum, all right, go out there, dribble around and shoot a contested jumper every time. Like yeah. his game and his, well, shooting has dropped a little bit, but it's really just the lack of team success around him. And they're not doing that team basketball where it looks like now Tatum's kind of forcing the way that he scores more than it coming naturally within their system. And I think you said it perfectly if they lost their identity. I'm not really throwing facts at you right now because I can't prove they lost their identity, but. It's just a feel thing. And I feel like the Celtics have always been a feel thing since they like Kyrie got there. It's never really me. Like people pointing out statistics. It's just like something feels off with this team. And it's, I think that's just what happens when if you have talent that's underachieving, it's really more of a team chemistry thing and like a system thing more than, you know, does this guy shoot well? It's more about the way they're playing together and how like that vibe of the team is. Yeah. I, I think that's once again, right. Like we can't prove this. Obviously we're not in the locker room, but you mentioned the Jalen Brown thing, and that goes back to like when they the the KD trade rumors in the summer. People thought there was rumors 
Boston tried to trade Jalen Brown for Durant. And now it seems like, you know, Jalen Brown, whether it's about that, whether it's that he wants to be a number one option somewhere, whatever it is, or he feels the Celtics have undervalued him, whatever it is, that feels like it's part of the chemistry thing. Grant Williams wants a, uh, a big contract. Doesn't feel like he's going to get Williams. Should, I don't Grant Williams might be one of my least favorite players in the NBA now because yeah. <laughs> I've always liked him. Like, I feel like I, I wanted the Sixers to draft him, loved him at Tennessee. Like, He's my kind of like attitude type of player, but at the same time, I I know what you're I know what you mean. This season, he's just been annoying. It's like Draymond, but he's not good at all. Oh my god! It's like oh, a bad. It's even it's the worst version of Dylan Brooks. The I'm gonna make both to Donovan Mitchell as he misses both free throws and loses the game. Well, that was hilarious. I mean, so I know that's hilarious, but it's like this guy thinks he's Draymond. Like everyone <laughs> now. Everyone who isn't a great scorer but plays defense wants to be Draymond, so they think they just have the ego. And it's like, all right, like I don't love Draymond, but I actually respect him. Yeah. He, people at like Grant Williams and Dylan Brooks are acting like they have the respect of a Draymond Green when you don't. You've won nothing. You're some guy that might make $10 million standing in the corner shooting threes. I don't understand why Grant Williams is out here trying to be the alpha of the Celtics. And if a, <laughs> they need – the Celtics need a Draymond Green right now just to step in and put people in line, but – Smart kind of used to, I don't know. Smart's kind of weird with that. Well, I, I was about, I, I was going to say like about smart is another guy where it feels like his play has been a little more all over the map this year. And he's also missed time with the injury. It kind of feels like Derek white stole his spot. Cause Derek white's been really, really good. And it's kind of unclear. Like if the Celtics can get everybody healthy now, there's like seven or eight guys who feel like they should be in that crunch time five. Like is Marcus smart going to be happy if, Joe Mazzola is like, all right, we're going Derek White. We're going Brown, Tatum, Rob Williams, Al Horford. Like, and Marcus Smart might find himself on the bench. He's not going to like that because he's been, you know, a core piece of this team for a long time. So it just does feel like chemistry-wise, I don't even think they're bad chemistry-wise. It just feels like a little disjointed. Throw in the fact that it's a new coach, I think. And I said this before the season. This was my prediction with them that, like, oh, they'll wind up being like the third, fourth, fifth best team in the East because this was back when we thought the Nets would still be in the, the conversation for contendership. Uh, so that Cleveland as well. So I, I believe I wound up saying the Celtics would be the four seed. At first, it looked like I was completely wrong, but now it looks like my expectations for them are starting to come a little bit more true. To wrap up on the Celtics, do you think, and then we can transition to some other teams here, like do you think the Celtics are closer to turning this around and like, eliminating the Sixers again, breaking our heart, the Sixers fans' hearts again. Do you think they're closer to that? Or do you think they're closer to, like, losing to the Knicks in a first-round upset or something along those lines? Like, what do you think is more likely right now? The only team I could see beating them that's actually a bad team is the Heat because of their, the fact that they're the exact like opposite. The one team I wouldn't say would beat them. But that team is, like, the they believe in themselves. They're the ultra-tough team, and they have, like, the most – team chemistry continuity, which is the exact opposite of the Celtics right now. Mm-hmm. So I feel like in that standpoint, I think the Celtics would go up against that. And it's like everything the Heat had, the Celtics don't. But I feel like a team like that, just some tough team, if some tough team goes in to Boston that they don't really value, because right. I feel like if they go against Cleveland, they'd be amped up for that series and they'd whatever. I feel like they'd undervalue Miami. I think the Knicks, they'd start to value. I just think if Boston doesn't feel like getting up for one of these games, and there's a team that would take advantage that's like a scrappy team. I feel like any scrappy team could steal a few from Boston and, you know, steal yeah. something from them. I think they're closer to losing than actually winning the finals at this point. But I feel like so, they, 
I feel like they could turn it around if um, at the end of the finals last year, they seemed like they really were motivated and learned from what their mistakes, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that motivation kind of just waned and ran out. And now we're going to the playoffs and they don't, they lost it. Yeah. So I think, I don't think the heat could beat Boston in a playoff series, but the way Jimmy Butler's playing right now, I'll, I'll, I'll give into your little heat thing for just a moment here. I'll, I'll, I'll allow it for just a second. Cause here's my prediction. You let me know how you think this plays out. I think that we're going to get a super fun Knicks Cavs four five matchup. And that's I'm gonna have a blast watching that series. The Nets are playing pretty well right now. We can talk maybe talk about them for a little bit, but I do think Miami will finish with a better record than them because I just think they're a better team. So that would be a three six matchup between Boston and Miami. And like, listen, man, Jimmy Butler takes things personally. And what happened at the end of the playoffs last season? Jimmy Butler three to send him to the finals. He misses it. He's been probably thinking about that for a year now. But here's the thing. They still have Jimmy. They still have Bam. They still have Eric Spolstra. Tyler Heroes. Yeah, Tyler Heroes at least can score the basketball. So they have good players. So, Chris, like, why are you still convinced on this Heat team? You've kind of alluded to already. They're the the worst offense in the league. They score less points than the Houston Rockets. They are 30 of 30, 109 points a game. Why do you think the Heat have this in them? I know, and as I said, Jimmy Butler has been playing great in March, 24 points a game. But – What's your thoughts on this Heat team? If you had to rely on one team to really play a scrappy game where they give it at all and like a team that won't beat itself in terms of how they play, I'd pick, I think it's Miami. They just, they've been to the playoffs a lot of times in recent years. They have the experience together. They've been to the finals in 2020. They lost to the Bucks the next year, but the Bucks won the finals that year. So it's not really to the fall of Miami. And then last year they lost. Jimmy Butler carried them to a game seven and they almost won. Yeah. I, I picked them to beat the Sixers and it's, I'm told the same thing. They were better last year. Don't get me wrong, but I was told they don't have offense. It's just Jimmy, but it doesn't matter. They still win games. Any close game. I will bet everything on the Miami heat because they win every close game. Their mm-hmm. offense is atrocious, but at the end of games, they find a way to score. Yeah. Their defense is still really good as a whole, but in clutch time, it's even better. They they win when the game's close. There is a world where they go against a good team and they're blown out by 20 and that's the end of the game. Yeah. That team is the biggest pain, but they have the playoff experience. They've done it multiple times and people are so caught off guard by that Miami comes in yeah. and just ends up beating a team that they probably are less talented than. Yeah. Okay. You know, I'm not a heat guy. I try to give credit where credit's due. I made a TikTok list and I gave Eric Spolstra the number one coach in the entire NBA. I try to show respect. Here's my thing. I do think the Heat could steal a few on on the Celtics, but I just think the Celtics' talent alone is going to lift them past Miami in in a playoff series. I I think the Celtics will be facing the Sixers in the second round. My thing is, like, this is going to sound stupid. I understand this is a stupid point. I think the Heat have too many players in their rotation that suck to win a playoff series. They start Kevin Love and Gabe Vincent. Kyle Lowry has he got benched for Gabe Vincent and like Kyle Lowry still sometimes brings it, but at the same time he kind of looks cooked. I'm not gonna lie, he's pretty washed. Max Struess has been not even close to as good as he was last year. He killed the Sixers in the playoffs last year. Hasn't been that guy this year. Victor Oladipo is just he's still a solid defender. I'll, I'll give him that, but he's hurt half the time and he can't score the basketball anymore. 
Duncan Robinson is the worst contract in the league, arguably. Smith is garbage. Like, you know it's Ben Simmons. You're right, my bad. It is Ben Simmons. I apologize. But Duncan is up there. I just think that I just can't see them winning more than maybe one or two playoff games. That's just my opinion. I, I just think you can't have you can't go three deep and then beat the Celtics. I think the game the series is at least going to six, maybe seven. And if the if the Heat win, it wouldn't surprise me. I I'm not gonna pick them to beat the Celtics, don't get me wrong, but I just genuinely believe that team is the hardest out in terms of here's what they actually are, but here's how they play. And the Celtics are the opposite of that. So in terms of that sense, it's one of the things like the Celtics where we're saying it's not really a stat thing. You just watch the team. You feel like they lost their whole identity and everything like that. Mm-hmm. The Heat are kind of the opposite where same thing. Like, it's not like a stat thing. It's just I know that when I watch that team, they had the whole culture. They had that identity. And that's their best quality about that team because Bam's great. Jimmy is great when he plays, but this is a play all time. Hero can score, but they have no one else really. I just think come playoff time, Kevin Love's going to have a random game with like 16 rebounds and he starts hitting threes again. And then you're going to be like, bro, I don't understand how Miami's good. And I'm going to say, I don't know either, but they just, I just accept it. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't really know how to defend the heat other than saying, I'm just going to go off their years of doing this. So I'm not going to bet against it now. Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, if it's, a, I do think it's going to be a Celtics heat playoff matchup. That is my prediction. I hate both of those teams, so I hope they tie. I hope they both. You should, you should root for the Heat because then the Sixers would play the Heat. I mean, I agree with that. I also don't want to face Jimmy Butler, but at the same time, I think we're not Joe. I thought they were going to beat him. We, no, we, we we would beat them. We would beat them, but I just don't want to have to deal with it. Actually, you know what? Like, I would rather beat the Celtics because, like, do you know how great that would feel? Like to beat the Celtics. Like beating the Heat would be good after last year, but to defeat the Celtics would be. Like, just incredible. Like, it would just be such a great moment. So, I don't know. And I want to see that. I think it can happen. But either way, I agree. that I hate both those teams. Two teams I do really like, though, in this Eastern Conference that I I know they're supposed to be Sixers competition, but it's hard not to root for these teams. Cleveland and the Knicks are just so much fun, both of them, especially this Knicks team, especially since they got Josh Hart. They've been so much fun. I would pencil the Knicks in as like the biggest party crasher in the Eastern Conference right now. You're saying Miami. I would say the Knicks for similar reasons. I just feel like they don't have like the, you know, the decade long culture of the Heat, but they just have this. They're not taking shit from anyone this year, especially right now over this past month. They have Brunson just leading the charge. We know Tibbs, he's not going to be scared, even if he's going to, even if he isn't the best coach in the league. He's also just, you know, he's just stern with his players. And when when he connects with his players, we've seen it time and time again. When Tibbs is on the same page as his teams, they go far. Now, when he's not on the same page, he gets run out of town, as we've seen in Minnesota and Chicago. But I just think this team is playing great. We just saw Julius Randle have 57 points, drain eight three-pointers. Brunson and Randle have been an awesome combination. And my guy, Josh Hart, culture rankings mainstay Josh Hart, the best rebounder since Dennis Rodman, Josh Hart, he has been awesome for this team, and he's been such a great addition. What are your thoughts on the Knicks? I would pick them against Cleveland right now, even though I really like that Cleveland team as well. I think they have the best backcourt in the NBA. What are your thoughts on New York's play over these past few weeks and months? I think I joined every single team's bandwagon except for the Cavs and the Knicks. I'm going to be honest here. 
as a native New Yorker, I feel like I'm doing them a disservice, but can you genuinely say come playoff time, you're going to look at the Knicks and view them as a threat? Yes. Like, I, I, I don't want to see them against the Sixers. I, once again, I think the Sixers team can beat everybody right now, the way they're playing, but I do not want to see that Knicks team. I do not. Do you really though? I, I just, Julius Randle, I know come playoff time. Just, Julius Randle has, series. Julius Randle, when we did our all-star picks, ago, man. the Hawks series, that's fair. That's fair. He I, went from like fifth in MVP voting that year. And then he played, he played like Julius Randle from the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> He played a lot worse than that. He just played garbage in that series. It was he just completely disappeared. I love Brunson. Brunson proved last year he could play in the playoffs, but when he's the main guy, I told you this too. The foul calls he relies on the fouls. The videos of his he jumps into people, and then he gets a foul call. And it's I know that in the playoffs, I've you're not going to like this, but I complain about the same things about Harden, where sometimes in the playoffs. Harden does the same thing. He jumps into someone, smacks them, and then he ends up on the free throw line for a three-point play, and it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Brunson has a little bit of that in him. I don't love that. And Randall, we we saw him once in the playoffs, and it was terrible. Here's my thing. Once. We saw it for one time. I mean, I yeah. after what Paul George has done to redeem his playoff um, reputation, I think anyone can do it. So Julius Randall is no longer the number one option. Jalen Brunson runs this team. He is the commander of the offense. And I think the way that he, and also Josh Hart, who is a really good, you know, he gets the hockey assist. He's not getting the assist like Jalen Brunson, but he is the pass to the pass so many times off of those rebounds. So for me, like the way the the Villanova guys are creating for the rest of this team, I think Julius Randle as like the number two guy, but also the guy who can erupt for 57 points from time, like, I mean, not that he does that routinely, but he's been scoring at a very high level over the past month. I didn't have him on my all-star team ever since uh, mid-February. Over the past month, he's been maybe like a top, I don't know, 20 player in the league. I think I think he's been awesome. And I just think that they have the combination of the grit, but also the offense that I think they can. Would I pick them against the Bucks, the Celtics, or the Sixers in a series? No but I think they are the biggest threat, the biggest potential party crasher we have right now. Not to mention like they still got RJ Barrett, who's been pretty up and down. He's only shooting 25% from three in the month of March. He's found himself. He's found himself out of their crunch time five in favor of quickly. And, but you know, he's still on the team. He's still at 20 points near 20 point score. Plus they got Grimes and quickly playing hard nosed uh, defense in the backcourt. I just feel like they've, found the chemistry for this team. And I don't know. I just think they're really good. I just like the team. And I think they're going to have a moment in the playoffs in some fashion. It's really Randall for me. That's my concern. I just, I know that come at the end of games, he's going to be the guy that's like, I'm the, I'm the guy in the team. And he's going to shoot some contested turnaround jumper. That's not going to go in. Brunson has been their fourth quarter guy routinely this year, except literally every game, but he's been the guy most games. When Randall decides that he wants to do it, that's when I look at that next team and I can't take him seriously. Well, if he wants to do it and drain eight three-pointers and score 57, I mean... I'm I'm fine with him doing it. <laughs> I don't think he's gonna do that four times in a series. I I just don't love Randall. And here's the difference between them and the Heat, whereas the Knicks are way more talented and have you know they actually have talent around their guys. At the end of the game, I'm taking Jimmy over anyone on the Knicks, anyways, just in terms of that sense. At the end of games, I'd love it if it's Brunson. 
I just don't want it to be Randall. And I feel like at times Randall can go back to that little, it's kind of him heroing it. And I don't think he's that guy to do it. That's just my concern with the team. I think also Cleveland, as much as I don't love Cleveland as an actual contender, on paper, I just love Garland, Mitchell, Allen, and Mobley. And Karis LeVert, honestly. I think it match up really well with the the Cavs. I think they're going to beat them in the first round. How and what way do they? I feel like Randall's going to have a tough time against Mobley. No, I just feel like, in the sense of like, I don't think they're going to completely stifle like Garland and Mitchell, but I think they have all the the defensive guards they need to throw at those guys. I mean, they got five of them, like in my opinion. And I mean, maybe Quickly's, like that, quickly's but... not going to do anything. So what, guys? You're going to have Josh Hart. Yep. I mean, they can. Th- Grimes has been really good this year. What do you mean, Quick? Quickly's a good defender. What do you mean? He's just small. I know he's small. Garland's small too. He'll guard Garland. I, I guess Garland, but Garland's not even like Garland's the his best part about Garland's is passing. I just I think that's like a six or seven game series. But my thing with the with the Cavs is like one, their wings are just atrocious. So Gar- that dude, I'm sorry, Karis Levert is not that bad. And Okoro has been hitting his threes this last for a little stretch, and he's actually looking good. Like he's averaging six a game. Like I, I'm not. I'm. I'm saying I understand he's not terrible. I think the Knicks like they they got Randall and Barrett and Hart like on the wing. I think they just outclassed the Cavs there. And because you know when push comes to shove, Karis Levert. I'm not a Karis Levert guy. I don't think Karis Levert or Isaac Coro are scoring against the Knicks. And that makes Donovan Mitchell and Garland have to take like almost all the offensive pressure. And I think they'll get their points. There will be games where those guys are awesome. It's not going to be a Knicks sweep. But I think in a seven-game series, the Knicks can outlast them. I think they can, they can overwhelm them. And at the, at the down down low, you know, Mobley and Allen are awesome. They're in an incredible defensive front court. But I feel like, like, I think Randall right now is better than like Mobley in terms of like Randall is playing so well that even though I have Evan Mobley as like an all-defensive caliber guy, I think in Mobley's first playoff series, I think he won't be able to just completely stop Randall. Randall can, I don't know. That's just my opinion. I don't know. And I also think like Mitchell Robinson can match up with Jared Allen. Like they can look, they can go to those looks as well. I think Jared Allen. I like the next team. I don't know. That's all I'm uh, Mitchell had some stupid quote the other day. Did you see it? Mitchell Robinson? Mitchell Robinson, what did he say? He was like, I'm tired of doing cardio for this team. <laughs> no, but that's what he needs to do. Like that's his role. I everyone knows, but he doesn't want to do cardio. He wants well, to. Then, you know, he wants the ball at the top of the key with the plays <laughs> made for him. Okay, it's Mister Robinson we're talking about. Well, maybe like, that's uh, why, maybe that's why Hartenstein's been playing a bit more as well. Well, you know, Mitch Robinson wants wants the keys to the team. <laughs> I don't <laughs> understand why that. It's that, that just made me laugh. I don't know if you anyway, saw, but that was yeah, that was yeah. so stupid. Um, that's just my take. This matchup, I honestly, it's just weird because both these teams I'm not high on. So no matter who wins, I don't know what I'm going to believe. Wait, I just, I'm high on both of them. Like I, I think Cleveland just needs to make a trade and like they could be like a 55 win team. Like seriously, if they had OG on Anobi, then I'd agree. But they just they yeah. treated everything for Mitchell, which I think was a good idea. Just now they're handcuffed to like not getting another big guy. I, I love team. Allen. I really love Allen. But don't you think like going forward, Mobley's proven that he's probably better as a center and they need to like reshuffle. Joe, I, in the beginning of the year, I was telling you, I don't like the two centers next to each other. I'm not Mobley as the big with Allen off the bench. Well, I, I don't mind it. I don't mind it in the sense of like, I think it's fine. Like, think about it. If they play, if they played Milwaukee, like they need both of those guys out there. But the thing is like Mobley, I just feel like 
might just be like the third best center in the league in like two years if he just like evolve keeps evolving the way he is. I feel like they could trade Allen for a wing and Allen could go be an awesome defensive anchor for a different team. Like I feel like I'm not saying that I'm against the look they have, but I think long term, like the only way to get that wing guy, like because they're Cleveland, not Los Angeles or Miami, like free agent wise, like they're gonna need to make that trade, I think. I don't know. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I told you this too. I you know I don't really like centers as much. So I feel like having the having two next to each other doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Mobley can't really shoot yet. Make Mobley the five, Allen off the bench, or trade Allen for the wing, like you're saying. That's what I wanted them to do beginning of the year, because I, I think Allen's great. Just I don't think I think Mobley's best version of himself. I said this Mobley's best version of himself will be as a center. Him being the guy that's hidden behind Allen at times doesn't make a lot of sense for his development. Cleveland's not going to win anything this year and probably not next year. The best way for Cleveland is to have Mobley be a top three center, probably behind Jokic and Embiid. For that to happen, he has to be the center. It can't be the Robin in the paint to Jared Allen. You know, like, is Jared Allen really like, worth that? No. Right. I agree. And, like, we're we're talking future now and we're supposed to be talking present, but, like, I still think Cleveland's got the best young core in the whole league. Like Mitchell, I think has got another five years of being this guy and Garland and Mobley. I think those guys are, as long as they re up when their rookie contracts are up, I think those guys are going to be there forever. Like this might be, this might be like the eighties Cavs again, where they had like Mark Price and Brad Doherty for just a decade straight. That might be Mobley and, and uh, Garland. Like I, that would be pretty cool. I mean, it depends how young Corb you want to go. Because if you're going super young, and it's probably like Orlando, but if you still count Mitchell as young, which is like I guess he is, he's like 26. I, I, would, I, I like Paul a lot. I would trust Garland and and uh, Mobile. I mean, I trust them more too, but they're also older. Like if you're really going young, young, like babies, but if you're counting them as a young core, probably they're up there. Like, I don't know. I, I don't really know about young core wise. I think they're going to be good in a few years. I really just think that current idea of Allen and Mobley is just awkward to me still. And I, I don't like it. Yeah. I just don't want to have two big guys on my team. I'd rather have one really good one that's dynamic and Mobley can't switch on to people. But having him and Allen just seems like it doesn't help Mobley. I will say, I agree with you. I will say, I think if Cleveland beats the Knicks, I don't think they will. As I said, I think. The Cavs have a better chance of upsetting the Bucs than the Knicks do, but yeah. I think the Knicks will beat the Cavs. If, I, I think Randall's going to have the toughest matchup of his life against Brook Lopez and Giannis. Yeah, that would be pretty ugly. That would be pretty it, ugly. Then, um, then I would get on your train with the, the Randall will have a tough series, but I think against Cleveland. And, and Brunson is great, but in the last two minutes yeah. against Drew, are you kidding? It's like Milwaukee literally would just look at the Knicks and be like, all right, you have a big guy and a small guard that we have to stop, and they have the best guard defender, the best big man stoppers. But what, like, but what if Josh Hart just goes for twenty five rebounds in a game seven, and the Knicks beat the Bucks? Like, what if that? What if happened? I hit a foot growth spurt and I just signed with the Bucks? Can I read you Josh Hart's stats uh, since he joined the Knicks? Eleven a game, seven rebounds. He's shooting sixty from the field, fifty five percent from three. He had a game where he had eight offensive rebounds against the Kings. Uh, that guy is the man and he will be a sixer one day. I will manifest that. Is, did you, was, does that make you happy rating me the Josh Hart stats? It did. It did. All right. Uh, just to wrap up the East, is there any other teams that catch your eye? Brooklyn has the, uh, third best defense in the month of March by defensive rating. Uh, Mikhail Bridges has been incredible. They're going to make the playoffs. Uh, but other than them, I don't really think there's any team in the East that like is even notable right now. 
The rest of them are just fighting for that play-in spot. I don't really think the Nets would beat the Sixers in a playoff series whatsoever. I mean, the Hawks with Trey Young, uh, how good Trey Young is. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I think, <laughs> honestly, right now in my head, it's more. Hey, Trey Young, Young got his three-point percentage up to 33%, okay? It's not 30 anymore. It's 33 now. Him and Westbrook shoot the same for three. I just don't know why people get mad at Westbrook. Um, in my eyes, it's really Milwaukee one, and then Boston and, and uh, the Philadelphia 76ers are in that next tier, and then everyone else is below them. I, it'd be a shocker if those three teams don't do anything. There's no one else. The Heat, I think, talent-wise, or we talked about the Heat. It's just because of their culture and reputation. There's no other team lingering that I, – I like Brooklyn a lot, but I don't think – I can't see Brooklyn doing anything with 30 something million going to Ben Simmons to, yeah. you know, yeah. buy chains and cars and not play basketball. Right. I totally agree. The Nets have a foundation where like with, with Claxton and Bridges and uh, who am I neglecting? Oh, and like, I don't know. They got like DFS Royce O'Neal. They have this defensive, like minded team. It's just that I like Spencer Dinwiddie, but in a playoff series, like say the Nets, get the bucks like your holiday is going to like feast like they don't have they don't have the scores out of the backcourt you need to win a playoff series and that's why i just don't think that they can upset anybody and i understand cam thomas had three 40 point games but he followed that up with absolutely nothing and got yeah what happened to cam thomas i think jock vaughn doesn't like the fact that he doesn't play defense well maybe one day we'll hear from cam thomas again but right now it looks like they're rolling with uh, Spencer and Cam Johnson as the backcourt with like a little Seth Curry sprinkled in. So I don't really trust that in a playoff series. I mean, I, I, I like Cam Johnson. I, I think Bridges is just going to drop like 30, he's 25 a game in Brooklyn. I he, he's awesome, man. He should have been on the Sixers. It's incredible. We really could have had him. We would have probably been the champions by now if we had Mikhail Bridges. And now he's just out here casually putting up like, what do you have? Like, Oh, like 47 against the Celtics or something? I don't know, but you know what team could really use them? The, the Phoenix Suns, Suns yeah. 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 But uh no, I, I really agree. But it's crazy that Durant got injured. Yeah. Um JJ, he goes one of JJ Reddick's podcasts. I just love everything Nicole Bridges says. He just is such everything says he's like mature about everything. And he was saying that when Booker went out, he puts up over 20 something, and then they're saying keep this up when Booker comes back. He just always naturally takes a backseat to that guy. But there's no one on Brooklyn that he has to take a back seat to. No one's going to say, hey, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie's going to be the guy here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Bridges could be now the guy without anyone else coming in. Ben Simmons isn't going to do that. So I think this is going to be – even the, on the team anymore. They sent him home. Well, he's on the team uh, technically. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. But I think this is the best chance for him to develop offensively because I love his game. I think last year was tough because Luka was going against him, so he had to root against him. But I just, you know, I just don't think that Nets team is good enough around him. No, I agree. And I look forward to the Sixers gentlemen sweeping them in five games. I could see the Sixers losing one game to the Nets and then the entire Sixers fan base having a temper tantrum and then us just winning three more games and then eliminating them. But I don't know. I, Isn't that what happened with the last time you guys played the Nets? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like the, And by the way, the Jared Dudley game is the most overrated um moment in nba history every year they they on twitter like around the playoffs they're like throwback to when jared dudley totally owned ben simmons like i don't like ben simmons now but let me tell you ben simmons like jared dudley averaged like one point a game in that playoff series ben simmons was doing perfectly fine against the nets 
So hopefully this time we when we play them again, uh, if we do play them again, it won't be as toxic because you know I like Mikhail Bridges, I like some of their players, so I don't I don't want to see that again. No matter who the Sixers play, you guys, you're gonna complain after you lose the game and freak out. So <laughs> probably, probably it is true. If I, you I guys play the Heat, I I would love to watch those games with oh, you. That would be because... an immensely draining experience. Once that's again. what I'm saying is the Heat are the biggest pain. I know. From well, a fan base perspective, too. They're still the seven seed right now. So, well, Boston's the two seed right now, though. So, right now, it's Celtics two, Heat seven. But I feel like it's going to be Celtics three, Heat six. So, like, I still think they're going to play each other. That's my prediction. I mean, obviously. The Nets are currently sixth, and you're just going to project the Heat jumping them? Yes. But I'm also projecting the Sixers jumping the Celtics. So, that's just, I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's my prediction. There's a there's two weeks left to play, but that's that's what I would say. All right, so that's going to do it for our projections of the Eastern Conference playoff picture right now. But in the next episode, Chris, you will be back, and we're going to talk about the wild, wild west of this NBA season because the West, Chris, isn't it a just complete mess right now? Oh, it's my favorite conference for that reason. It's so much more entertaining than looking at the Bucks, Sixers, and Celtics at the top of every day of the East, where the West you look at and the Lakers fluctuate between 14 <laughs> and 4 you know, so <laughs> yeah, that fluctuation in the West is just so much more fun. It seems like the games mean so much more when every day your seating jumps so much more than it was in the East. I completely agree. So we're going to talk about that on the next episode of the podcast, but that's going to do it for this edition of Trust the Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Hopefully the Sixers continue to absolutely own the rest of this conference over the final few weeks of the season. Uh, make sure to follow on Spotify or Apple if you aren't already and stay tuned for the next episode where we talk about the West.